Be ready for everything and anything. Every good player has the ability to slow the game down. It doesn't matter what just happened, it's what you're gonna do next. Donut three! One, two, three, zone! Welcome to the Get Zoned In podcast for coaches looking to improve their skills and knowledge both on and off the field. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or just starting out, this podcast is for you. We'll be exploring a variety of topics that are relevant and important to baseball and softball coaches, but this advice can be used for all sports and skill levels. Join us as we dive into the world of coaching and learn from some of the best in the business. Whether you're looking to improve your team's performance or just want to make a positive impact on your players, we've got you covered. Let's go and let's play ball. Welcome to the Get Zoned In podcast. I'm Duke Baxter with Steve Nickerack inside Zone Sports Academy, and we have another great episode for you today. Coach Steve and I are finishing up fall ball, team trainings, tournaments, and we're knee deep in everything baseball. So let's dive right in. Coach Steve, what are we going to talk about today? Yeah, guys, welcome back. We are right in the middle of, of probably the two busiest times of the year, right? Like Coach Duke said, finishing up fall ball, um, which means we are right smack in the middle of our tryouts for spring and summer 2024. And we're also prepping for winter training. So we've got people calling, um, organizations, teams, other travel organizations that want to train in-house with us here over the winter. So really just two big things, um, you know, one that we're currently in and then the other one right on deck as soon as tryouts finish up. So let's dive right into, okay, we're in the middle of the tryouts. How are things going? Yeah, they're good. We've got a lot of kids that are trying out. Um, I think, you know, there's a lot of things that kind of go into running the perfect tryout. Um, I think, you know, first and foremost, director of our, of our Red Hawks, Anthony Feltre, does an amazing job at, at organizing and planning and, you know, making sure we have the correct fields and the correct locations and all the communication behind the scenes. You know, one of the, the most important pieces is, is starting with a player parent meeting. I think, uh, you know, when you're starting tryouts, um, talking with the players and the parents together about your goals. Um, your expectations as, as an organization, um, you know, what to expect at the tryout. For us, we use Team Genius, which is, which is an app on our phone. So, you know, just the visual of parents looking at us, understanding that we're not sitting there texting, we're actually doing our evaluations through our phone. You know, and then, and then the timeline. You know, what's the timeline that they can expect on, on hearing back, whether or not they made it, whether or not they got cut, you know, invite back for day two of tryouts. So, that player-parent meeting in the beginning is, is really important to just introduce yourself, introduce the organization, and, and uh, go over all the things I just mentioned. Um, I think you have to make sure that you have enough coaches um, and, and quality coaches that are, are ready to work. And, you know, we go to tryouts. For instance, last night we had eight guys there, um, all guys that specialize in different things, but making sure that each coach has their own responsibilities when they're going into tryouts. Um, making sure you have enough equipment, tape measures, stopwatches, radar guns, you know, baseballs, evaluation sheets, whatever kind of equipment you need ahead of time to make sure that you're gonna run the tryout effectively is important. And then assigning those coaches certain responsibilities. You know, I would consider myself more of a hitting guy. Coach Duke is more of a fielding guy. My brother Mike is a pitching guy. We have coaches that specialize, like I said, in, in certain areas. So we want those coaches evaluating those positions. Um, we don't need to have five different coaches all evaluating the same player fielding ground balls. Um, so just being as efficient as you can, um, making sure that all those players get the opportunity to showcase their, themselves in all the different positions, I think is really important. And the one thing that we found useful is, is running two separate days of tryouts. So we have our current, our current teams, the guys that were with us spring, summer, fall of 2023, 
and then we've got this huge um, influx of new players. So what we do on day one is all the new players come on day one, which is like our eval day. That's where you know we get their home the first time, we get their exit velocity, we get their raw velocity, they get their six to eight ground balls, um, the outfielders get six to eight fly balls, so we're, we're seeing how they move, we're seeing the angles they take, are they smooth, do they have rhythm, do they create momentum towards their target, and then what we do from there is we, we do not invite back the kids that we think have no chance, and what we'll do is we'll invite back the players that we think, man, these guys can, com can compete, and we bring them back for day two, and day two consists of really just a simulated game. All the pitchers get to throw, all the, all the hitters get to hit. For instance, tonight's a 13U game, we have 30 guys coming, so we have two teams of 15, and it's just gonna be a simulated game. It's our current players mixed in with the new guys, Really no specific way to break up the teams. Just make sure you have enough guys on each team um, to play all the positions and make sure you have enough arms. But that's the, the best way for us to identify, all right, who are the gamers? There's kids that you know might look good in a tryout setting, but can these guys put the bat on the ball in a game? Can they make the plays? Are they diving? Are they hustling? You get to see them in, the, in that team environment, which is, is so important for us. Um, you know, And then from there, after the game's over, we sit down as a staff. We get some whiteboards out. Um, you know, we go through our two teams, uh, so depending on the, the level of talent, sometimes we'll have one team, sometimes we'll have two for that age group. You can call it A and B, we call it elite and select, and, and we make sure that we can put two quality teams on the field. They're gonna, they're, they're gonna play a similar schedule, we're gonna make sure we have quality coaches for each team. You know, we go through, all right, does this team have enough arms? Does this team have enough catchers? You know, can they play in tournaments? Do they have enough arms to get deep into tournaments? So, there's a lot of things that go into making a team um, and, and making a good team. And aside from the talent, I think picking kids that are going to help your team chemistry, you know, it's going to create a good culture. You know, we talk about quality kids, not just quality ball players, because, you know, we want kids that, you know, their parents aren't going to be in the dugout screaming. We want kids that uh, don't care where they're batting in the order. They just want to do whatever they can to help the team win. So that's always tough, too, you know, in, in a two-day tryout trying to identify all right, that kid might be good, but he might be a headache. Or that kid's borderline. I think you know if we work really hard, uh, you know he's going to be a good ball, good ball player, but he's also going to be a great kid. He's going to be great for the team. He's going to be great for the organization. So that's kind of A to Z of what our tryout format looks like. And we're uh, you know we finished 14U on Monday, Tuesday. Yesterday was 13U day one. Today's the the invite back for the game. So um, you know there's a lot of notes. There's there's a lot of evaluations and. You know, you never want to miss out on a kid, so you just try to do your best to, uh, you know, watch as closely as you can and, again, jot down notes on everything. What is his attitude? What's his hustle? Is he talking? Is he vocal? Is he confident? Is he bouncing around the field? You know, all those things matter, not just did he go two for two with two hard hit balls. Yeah, I think that, you know, talking about taking notes is a huge thing, right? If you looked at my note sheet compared to your note sheet, you know, using the app and having specific things that you're saying that mean something. Because sometimes as a coach, if you were to look at your evaluation card, it's like, wait, was the kid good or not good? You know, sometimes we point on the things that they didn't do well, but you also have to make sure that, okay, we might rate them from one to five. That's a rating. But then what are some things that if that player doesn't make the team, what can you tell them that will give them feedback so that they stay with the program, they work with your development coaches, they, they kind of stay in the system, and you're also not just saying, hey, sorry, buddy, you just, didn't, you just didn't make it. Instead, it's, thanks so much for trying out. Unfortunately, this year you didn't make the team, but we'd love to sit down with you and go over your eval and tell you what you can improve on, and we'd love to see you come back again next year. 
That's way different than just looking on the board, not see like we used to in middle school. You didn't see your name, darn, I got cut, and you didn't know anything about anything. So I think that coaches, you know, one of our hardest jobs is to have to cut a player. But cutting a player, but then following it up with, you know, here's why you didn't make it. Here's what you can get better at. We'd love to see you. It's a way different feel. It makes that athlete feel like you care about, you know, what happened and they weren't just a number that, you know, you just didn't call them back or something. So I think coaches, it's very important to give, have good player feedback. So if that player, you know, questions or that mom says, well, how come my son didn't make it? Sure. No problem. We'll gladly talk to you about it. This is the feedback that we got. You know, we'd, we, you know, we'd love to help your son continue to develop. That's so good. Cause we always say like, this is the the worst time of the year, but also the most exciting time of the year because there's so many kids that are so fired up to be part of the organization. And then those calls just stink. There's nothing, no way to sugarcoat it. It's, it's tough. Um, I, I wish I could say they get easier as, you know, as it goes on and the more, the more you do it, but they don't. But, you know, if you can do what Duke just said and actually give the kid an honest evaluation and feedback and say, you know what, whether it's here or it's at home or it's somewhere else, here are the things that you need to work on and we'd love to see you at tryouts next year. Don't quit. Don't just go play lacrosse or soccer or, you know, go down the street and, you know, pick up something new. But here's, here's a, a roadmap for you to continue to develop. You know, we, we, we think very highly of you. You know, you just try to, try to do all the right things. And I think going above and beyond as long and as challenging as it can be at this time of the year, it goes a long way rather than just getting the email saying you're cut. It's kind of a funny example when I was watching The Voice last night and it was like that. The person was, they were all so close to, to, to hitting their button to turn, the, to turn their chair and it, she just wasn't quite what they were looking for. And it was like, listen, they all had great things to say. Great job. We loved your pitch. We love this. We just wanted to see a little bit more. We hope that you continue to practice and we'll see you next year. Right? It's like that same kind of like, you, you know, we don't need three catchers on one team. So maybe we have two stud catchers, and you're a really good catcher, but we don't need three catchers. So it's, it's not that you're not good, or it's just that two other good catchers came out. So I think how we, how we position it to the players, what we say to them, how we, how we treat them, and make sure that they feel like it mattered that they went there. Because it's hard for a kid to go to a tryout. He doesn't know anybody. You know, he's going to a tryout. He hopes he does well. He's nervous. He's scared. He's this. He's that. So it's like just knowing that they're there and having that communication, I think, just goes a long way. Yeah, one thing I always do in the beginning, I talked about the player-parent meeting. Um, I also try to talk to the kids, you know, in a small group as well and just let them know, guys, just be fearless today. Leave it all out here. The last thing you want to do is, is go home from a tryout and say, I wish I wasn't scared or I wish I wasn't nervous because we've all made errors. We've all struck out. We've, we've all done really silly things on the baseball field at times. But a lot of times it's good to see a kid fail. You know, we had Coach Wheeler on here a couple months back, and he was talking about recruiting high school players to play in college. And he said, you know, it's good to see kids fail sometimes because eventually they're going to see some adversity. You know, in this game where you're going to fail so often, you know, we want to see the bounce back in a player. You know, how, how, how does he handle that strikeout? Does he walk onto the field? Does he hang his head? You know, is he throwing his equipment? Or is he somebody that just, you know, he hustles back, gets his glove, goes out there and plays good defense. So, you know, seeing a kid fail in tryouts sometimes is almost just as valuable as seeing him smoke a double in the gap uh, because you're able to see, you know, the character and the makeup of the kid. So that's just one extra piece I wanted to add in on, on the meeting before. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was really good. Good, good stuff, um, you know, regarding tryouts and the whole process. 
Uh, next thing we got on deck is prepping for winter training, which is a little bit of a, a side note from what we're doing right now, but there's a lot of moving pieces. You know, this, this place is like one big puzzle trying to, uh, you know, fit every single team in and, you know, every team wants the, the two and a half hour slot on Sunday afternoons, but unfortunately that doesn't work out. So what would you say, Duke, to a coach that might have limited space, you know, you've got eight to 10 weeks of winter training, you're battling other sports. What would you say to a coach on, you know, preparing for the next several months before spring 2024? I think the number one thing is preparation. And what I mean by that is you have to prepare a bunch of different things. What space do you have? Do you only have two cages? Do you have field space? Are you in a gym? Are you, you know, in a turf, turf area that's a square, that's a, you know, the size of, of two cages? Like, what space do you have? The next thing is I work backwards from the start of the season. So if I work 12 weeks back from April 1st, I'm starting in February, I have 12 weeks so if I have a 12-week program, what am I going to be doing in those 12 weeks? Well, in the beginning, I'm going to be doing a lot more reps, talking about fielding, getting the mechanics down, making sure that we have a good, solid throwing program. I'm going to make sure that I videotape all my hitters as we're talking about some different mechanical things that we're going to be working on. And then as we get going, as we start going through that, now we're going to start adding in more game situation stuff, game strategies. But we want to make sure that those first couple weeks to a month, we're just getting a lot of reps. We're getting the dust off the glove. We're getting those bats going. We're getting our arms ready. And we always ease into the throwing. You know, the throwing is more of a an arm care kind of a routine the first couple practices and not a lot of throwing because kids are going to feel great and they just want to take baseballs and start firing them, you know, and they haven't thrown. So easing into the workout program, easing into knowing I have 12 weeks so that as I'm heading into the second month of training, okay, now my pitches are starting to throw a little bit harder. I enter into the third month. Now I'm throwing live batting practice. So, so kind of periodize it out of I'm getting tons of reps in and I'm just getting my body ready into the, okay, now I'm starting to do more game strategies. Now I'm starting to do more live situations. Now I'm getting ready for my scrimmages. So I think that's how we map out that part of it. The other part of it is the coaches that you have. What type of coaches are you? Do you have rookie coaches? Do you have some veteran coaches? Do you just have moms or dads? How many coaches do you have? Because that will also help dictate how you structure your practice plan. If I know I have four coaches and 12 kids, well, that's awesome. Because now I can have three player stations and we can get a lot of a lot of reps in. If I only have two coaches, okay, well now it's a station of six and six, or I have to set up some more do on your own type stations so where the kids can kind of manage the station on its own depending on how many coaches we have. So I think that's a another key part to the practice planning as well as training tools. Okay, if there's only one or two of us as coaches, well then I need more tools in my toolkit such as speed ladders. I need some Hiko sticks that they can be tossing back and forth and working on hand, hand-eye coordination. I can be working on some vector balls and they're working more on their cognitive skills that they can toss the ball back and they're calling red or blue or green. Which hops are they catching? Maybe we're mixing in some smush balls because that way they can toss and flip balls to themselves and I'm not worried about 
kids getting hit by hard balls or what are they doing? They can work on bunting with the smush ball. So it's just a safer way to utilize my space if I don't have a lot of coaches. Also, how many buckets of balls do I have? Do I only have one bucket? And how do I break that up so that I can have six balls per station so that we can keep things moving? Also, we love having targets, right? So when we're in practice and as we're getting later on and we start doing some of the competitions and those kind of things, we're throwing at targets, we're hitting at targets. We're really trying to build in the competitive part of our practice. Also making sure we have cones, make sure we have tees, make sure you have a tripod so you can videotape the kids so they can watch themselves throwing or fielding or hitting. It makes it so much easier as a coach to communicate with your players if they can see themselves. Hey Johnny, you're really getting around the ball. Let's take a look. Oh geez, I didn't know I looked like that. Exactly. So we're going to do this drill and this drill and it's really going to help you stay connected. Okay coach, great. Instead of just saying, hey, you're swinging around the ball. Well, that kid has no idea. Even if you know what that means, he, him seeing what it means and now the word going around the ball and he sees what his swing looks like, now you're on the same page. So I think those are the things that when you're getting ready to start a, your off-season program, it's the space I have, who are the coaches that I have, how long do I have, when does my season start, and what tools do I have to run a great practice. That's awesome, man. I mean, a couple things that, you know, I would just highlight that you said, the monitoring the throwing program that you said in the beginning is huge. Keep an eye on it. Um, Again, like Duke said, make sure it's a progressive program so, you know, that when the kids are throwing live, they're not just throwing 45 pitches on January 5th, right? We're building that up, you know, so, you know, by the time they get to April 1st and it's opening day, maybe it's three innings of 15 instead of just 45 straight. Like Duke said, making sure that it's progressive so that we're covering the signs, we're covering all of those situational plays that we're going to need to know by opening day. Um, and granted, everybody's in different spaces so or different areas of the country. So, you know, for us, sometimes the first time we put on our cleats is opening day. You know, you're practicing mm-hmm. indoors until opening day. Um, you know, for guys down south or maybe out in California, they're a little bit, uh, a little bit luckier when it comes to weather. But sometimes, you know, we're, we're jumping right into the fire on opening day. So making sure that those kinds of situations are covered. You know, and then I, all I would add is just getting creative. When you're in limited space and, you know, there's times we have to do a fielding lesson in a pitching lane, you know, indoors. It's not, oh, yeah, we're stuck here doing pitching today. It's, all right, what can I do to get the most out of this space and this amount of kids? So, you know, Duke talked about being prepared. He talked about preparing the assistant coaches. That is huge. Because it doesn't matter what space, you know, we've shot videos on, you know, how to run team batting practice with 12 kids in one cage. And a lot of it was using equipment like frisbees and smush balls and wiffle balls so, you know, that we are focused on safety. But all the kids are moving and getting their reps. You know, we've also shot stuff on how to do defense with your team in a batting cage. You know, there's ways to be productive in small areas. and, And I think a lot of it is just getting creative. It's not doing the same thing over and over and over every single week and, and, and making the most of it, enjoying it. You know, you know, we're fortunate to have the space that we do in the winter. And I think a lot of times we take it for granted because we'll go and be in another cage or, you know, we're in other, other facilities or some guys are in basketball gyms. So again, just getting creative with it, making the most of it. You know, when we were in college, our winter training was done on a gym floor. And, you know, there's a lot of people in the Northeast and, you know, in the colder climate areas that get stuck in gyms or maybe in the, in the, in the wrestling room, whatever it might be, but there are ways to, to, to get your work in and make sure you're ready for opening day. So then creativity is huge. And you know what else I think it's like, 
how many times do you have a facility, you have your training, and the coaches are like, yeah, but I, there's nothing I can really do with the outfielders. It's like, what do you mean? Well, I can't really hit fly balls. It's like, okay, well, maybe you can't hit a ball as high as you want to that you can do outside in a game, but you're talking about drop steps, reacting to balls, how to take quick, sharp turns to, to where the ball's going, how to get around the ball. You're teaching them, you know, the prep step. You're teaching them how to, to crow hop or the pro hop. Like, there's so many other things that they need to do. You can turn them backwards, and as soon as you toss the ball up, you yell, ball, and they have to hurry up and turn around and try to find the ball and go catch it. So you're working on reaction. They're working on just, just catching things, right? Like how to catch the ball that's coming at them so they're, they're really catching it to the side. They're crow hopping and firing it into a target. So there's a lot of things. If you think about what an outfielder does, break down everything else they do besides just go get a fly ball. Well, there's much more to it than like how do they go get the fly ball? What should their steps be? What do they do after they get the ball? And break it down backwards and you'll find, holy cow, there's... There's 30 different drills like we do with these guys. Because the last thing you want is everybody just takes normal ground balls and now your outfielders are just sitting around or they're just fielding ground balls, which there's nothing wrong with just fielding ground balls. But when, there's, when it comes time to turning double plays and tagging and stuff like that, it's like go put them over in the other cage and have them work on the outfield things that you can work on in a small space. But I feel like they get neglected so much when someone doesn't have a high ceiling that no, there's still a lot you can do with them. So thanks so much for watching the Get Zoned In episode. We're excited. We're glad that you watched. Make sure you coaches stay coachable. Make sure that you're making sure that this time of year is time that you're taking time for yourself. Maybe you're playing some golf. Maybe you're watching some baseball, watching the World Series right now. But start preparing for your next tryout. Start preparing for your winter training. So thanks for watching this episode. We'll see you next time and thanks for listening.